You're tuning into the Active Mom Podcast with physical therapist, Dr. Carrie Pagliano, a real mom's guide to all things postpartum return to workouts after baby. If you're a postpartum mom, coach, trainer, or physical therapist looking for answers on how to get back to running, CrossFit, yoga, Pilates, HIIT, you name it without the fear of pelvic floor issues or doing something wrong, this is the podcast for you. Let's start the show. All right. Welcome back to the Active Mom Postpartum Podcast. I am incredibly excited to have my friend and also my my website person, which I never knew. <laughs> it took a long time to realize that. Um, Maria Alcoke is on with us to, this morning. And how I met Maria was completely random. We met at a continuing education course that you happened to be at and pregnant with number two. Yes. Number two. Yeah. And, you know, you had a podcast back then and I kind of was like, this, this girl is super cool. And like a couple years later, I was like, you do website stuff and will you do mine? And so we've, we've, you, you've been a great supporter for a long time. And I was like, you need to come on and talk about your mom experience. And, um, you were also a coach. So why don't you, why don't we just dive in and you can kind of share a little bit about yourself and, um, and then we'll see where this goes. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, Carrie, thanks for having me. This is fun because yeah, as Carrie mentioned, I had a podcast for, it was 18 months and it felt like a really long time, but 18 yeah. months in the grand scheme is a little bit of a short stint for podcasting. But I was really inspired um, to one, get into coaching because I had gone through my first postpartum or first pregnant and postpartum experience, very clueless with very little guidance. But my background in fitness had spanned for many, many years, you know, teenage athlete, not so much college, but I, I was in fit, into fitness, got into CrossFit, and I found that there was a lack of support within that space for women that were pregnant or postpartum. A lot of women ended up leaving the gym. A lot of women ended up not really committing to get back into it after the fact. And so I thought, well, there's this, there's this gap, and I'd love to be somebody who can fill that gap, but also as I was getting my certificate in postpartum uh, coaching, prenatal and postpartum uh, coaching, I I got pregnant with my second. So it was kind of just like, you know, a selfishly a way for me to educate myself and then also yeah. bring that to, to other women. Um, and so I did, I ran a postpartum program for specific to um, CrossFit and sort of getting back into like high intensity exercise and weight training and that sort of um, style of training. And I did that for, I want to say about, it was almost a year until life got really crazy with the second kid. As you know, you've right. got a new baby. I had a podcast. I also, as Carrie mentioned, uh, do web development and graphic design. So it was like all these different things. Um, and so now I've sort of honed in on the design work. That's sort of like my bread and butter these days. But I still have a huge passion for fitness and and coaching. And when I can take my my creative side and my fitness passion and kind of merge them, and work with people like Carrie, it's like a dream come true. So this is super fun. It's been great to uh, to watch you grow too as a as a professional. And um, I'm grateful for shout out to Anthony Lowe for that. Yes, for that we're, uh, we're chatting tomorrow morning at 6am. Well, you have to say hello. Yes, I will. I will. Yeah. No, that's going to be one of the conversations like, hey, do you know how many people you've impacted here? Um, and, yeah. and, you know, you're one of those. Um, so yes, I guess I have to thank him for all of that, too. <laughs> He's Definitely. a good contact for sure. He is. He is. So for you, like, and you were incredibly active before 
um, having your kids, like what was your kind of, how did you expect it was all going to go? What did um, you envision your postpartum period looking like? What did you envision what being active was going to look like before you had your daughter? So I'll, I'll talk to my first pregnancy yeah. before she was born, before I got pregnant with Sage, that's my number one. Um, I was a endurance athlete. So running, swimming, I, mean, I, did, I did triathlons, I did marathons, but I also did strength and conditioning similar to CrossFit. Um, and so after Sage was born and I had a crazy, I would say crazy, but a, a birth that was unexpected. Right. Um, I learned really quickly that you can't, you can plan all you want, but there's, you have very little control. Yeah. So it was, you know, 36 some hour labor. I pushed for three hours. I ended up with a C-section. So it was kind of like I got hit by a bus. And I think I've heard that experience from a lot of women. And I, a part of me thinks like, could it have been, um, you know, related to the way I was training when I was pregnant? But I had no idea. I didn't have any guidance. I kind of just did what felt good or what felt right and yeah. and look to the limited resources that were out there back then back this was like 2015 um and then so postpartum you know it was i really did take my time easing back in one i think it was because i didn't have access to a gym i think if i had had access to a gym meaning like i had you know a crossfit class or something to return to i probably would have just like thrown myself right back in at that six week mark but i didn't have that i had moved um I actually moved from California back to Maryland. So I was in search of community, looking for a gym, looking mm. for a place to train. And so it was almost like I kind of just imagined I would go back to doing what I was always doing, but I didn't really have the, the choice. Right. Um, so I just kind of did, you know, I did a lot of walking, did a lot of, um, you know, light training in my base, my parents' basement. We were living in my parents at the time. It was a very different life. Um, but definitely not as I had envisioned it. Yeah. Um, I was definitely still active, but it was a different experience compared to number two, which is I'm sure we'll talk about as well. Yeah. And so at what point did you kind of start to transition into coaching? Was it that when you kind of found your community when you got to Maryland or? Yeah, that's a good question. So when I was in California, I, I taught um, at the gym that I was training at. I coached endurance, um, or I called it a speed class. So it was all about um, speed and speed training that helped to contribute to endurance. And so mm -hmm. I kind of, I mean, my, you know, my go-to was running at the, when I, when I was postpartum with Sage. And then when I found the, the CrossFit gym, that became more of, you know, I mean, if those who are familiar with CrossFit, it's a lot more, um, it's conditioning, but it's also weight training it's gymnastics. And so I had the opportunity to start coaching there. They had, I had discussed, you know, my previous background in coaching and they said, well, you've got some flexibility. Uh, you know, you're a parent, you're freelancing, but you're also have this extra time. Are you interested in coaching? And I said, sure, I'll, I'll get my level one and, and see where that takes me. And it was a combination of the community itself and the ability to connect with people that I just like, I love. I'm a, yeah, you're so good at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, so it just, it felt very natural to go into the coaching space. Um, and then it was it was when I was coaching CrossFit when I started to realize there's a lot of women that were either getting pregnant or or coming back from pregnancy. And I thought, you know, maybe there's more support and guidance that we can give them because some of them were, you know, either having issues um, recovering postpartum right. or were finding themselves, you know, really training hard pregnant 
but then, you know, having that, that lack of um, support and time and energy and all those things postpartum, it was almost like they felt discouraged because they couldn't get back to that level so quickly. So right. that's definitely when the um, idea to start looking at um, certificates and just getting more educated came in. Yeah. So then, then somewhere in there, you get pregnant with Hendrix, like now you've got knowledge. <laughs> what do you do with it? <laughs> Yeah. And that's just something Carrie and I talked about this post record, <laughs> but it was like, you know, you go from being like almost ignorant and just like in this blissful ignorance to knowing too much almost. Right. And right. being so delicate in, I mean, I just, I think about having converse, like hearing some of the, 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 the fear mongering language, which was very prevalent. I feel like back in, you know, 2016 through maybe 2019. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't to shame women, but I think it was to keep them aware and to also help sort of put some people into check, right? Because I think as athletes, you're like, I got this. I got the birth. I got the postpartum. I don't need to, you know, I'm I'm going to be recovered. I'm going to be fine. Um, and it, everyone's experience is different, but it definitely makes, it puts you into check. It gets you to realize that like, just because I was a really fantastic athlete and recovered prior to having a baby doesn't mean that that's going to be, it's not going to be just like a snap of a finger. We're back at it. Um, right. I found that the six week, you know, clears for exercise was such <laughs> BS, right? Like, what does yeah. that mean? And there was no context, you know, for what, what does that mean? Like, can I, okay, can, that means can I run? But how long, how, what's my distance? And what happens if I have incontinence? What happens if I have, I mean, I didn't know, to be honest, and I almost embarrassed to admit this, I didn't know what the pelvic floor was until I opened that textbook to start reading about, you know, the, the female well, anatomy. You? Yeah, but why, <laughs> you know? but why would you, quite honestly, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, when we were talking earlier, my, my son's getting the, the sex talk today in fifth grade, and the neighbor across the street got the talk appropriate for fourth graders. And it was basically when a boy sperm meets a girl egg and then they make a baby. Like if that's all we get about our anatomy and we get about the pelvis, like that's not cool either. No. Um, and they so, don't give it to you. No. And so, I mean, that, I, I think that's an assumption that I have when I talk to, to women is like, okay, I know the last time we chatted about this was fifth grade health class. And we start with it, you know, you, you get that basic like cross section of, you know, bladder, uterus, and you kind of forget that the rectum's back there too. <laughs> yeah. So, if that's what you're based upon, like imagining a 3D um, muscle that also incorporates with your back and your hip and organs and all these other things, like, I, you know, I, I'm in this field and it, it's still incredibly challenging to to kind of wrap your head around what that looks like. And this is in our body and we just have no sense of it and people want to avoid it um, or avoid talking about it. I just think it's so for you, you know, you talk about fear mongering language and that kind of stuff. Like what was kind of the stuff that you would hear that was kind of meant to kind of tone things down or, or get you to be worried or, you know, aware at least? Well, I think everyone's favorite buzzword, diastasis recti. Oh, good or Lord. Mommy, Tommy, Tommy, or what, you know, whatever the yeah. specific DR. And, and and it was like, okay, don't, you know, how dare you consider doing gymnastics or kipping or doing anything that's going to increase coning? And coning was like a big thing. And I remember being like, don't, don't, don't be coning, you know? <laughs> right. And so right. for the longest time, that was sort of like, 
my my go-to cue was to like okay try to avoid coning or try to it, it was it was there was no strategy and so as i started to get educated i was like okay it's more than just a modification it's more than just to avoid do this not that it's right. how can we breathe differently and i mean and i mean to your point with like we haven't really understood our bodies since maybe yeah fifth grade sex ed <laughs> it's almost like having to relearn so much more it's like relearn how how we hold our breath how we how we hold our stress you know i know for certain when i'm stressed <laughs> which is a higher percentage of my life these days. You know, it's up in here and it's not, I'm not belly breathing and God forbid you let your belly relax because right. then you're just like, like loose, hanging out, whatever. And it's like something that it's, it's just having to retrain so much. And if we could start that conversation, like pull back and start that conversation earlier, people in general would feel more comf comfortable, comfortable and confident um, in exercise, in conversation around it and asking questions. I mean, I think about so many things that I was like embarrassed to ask my doctor, even with like my C-section, um, I was not told, or at least I don't remember being told that you actually can wash the, I had like the glue and right. I didn't clean that off. Cause I was afraid that if I did, right. <laughs> you don't want to split open. Right? Uh -huh. And so then as a result, I had this big keloid scar, which was then resolved in my second season. But, you know, it's just like, why is it so Basic taboo thing. to have conversations about our bodies? Or it's just an assumption that you should know this because, by the way, I know you just got split open like a fish, you know, four weeks ago. But, yeah, you should go be out doing all these extra things. And and by the way, there's glue. Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. Little <laughs> details like that. Well, even, yeah. I mean, I think you were one of the first people, I think one of the resources that I had gotten from you was the C-section scar massage. Yeah. And then that was, one, it's a little bit daunting. But I, I remember thinking like, this is stuff that they just never talk to you about. And no. I'm not shaming the OBGYNs or the midwives, right? Like it's not, it's not that they are trying to withdraw that information or withhold that information. It's just that there's so much... And they only have so much time, you know, with right. each patient. So, and I mean, gosh, moms don't have a ton of free time to do their own research. And then, right. of course, if you do, then, of course, you could, it's very likely you end up in that rabbit hole of like, don't do this or you'll get DR and you'll be ruined. And right. Well, and that's the do? thing, too, is like, it, and especially the last couple of years, I feel like there's so much more information. It's like you, you you're kind of stuck in this pendulum of, there's, there's so much that you know nothing. And then now there's too much that you're like, okay, how do I even figure out what it is that I need? Um, and, you know, the, diastasis recti, I think is such a, a great one because I, I had it after my second. And that's how I connected with, with Anthony Lowe was, you know, everything that we had been taught in PT school was, you know, Put the two sides together and if you train them together then they will eventually no it doesn't work that way isn't there's one there was like a towel like oh yes you, you, towel. you yes yes you, you wrap it around and then you pull across and you work it doesn't freaking work that way and but around here i joke that like 98 percent of the dmv thinks that they have it and most don't but it's a gateway i call it a gateway diagnosis because you might come to me for that but you might not come to me on your own for leakage or pain with sex or things like that. But the diastasis, you'll come for that. I'll be Oprah and give everything back to you. But let's let's treat these other things. Let's talk about these other things. But um, no, you're totally right. Like the, And I think it was kind of on both sides too. It's like 
we didn't really help things either because we were along the lines of, okay, don't do the sit-ups. We, you know, I remember back 2013, like CrossFit was the devil in my profession. <laughs> like when they're like, okay, it's totally fine to pee when you jump or lift. And all we had was like, no, don't do it. Like CrossFit is bad, but we didn't have a solution. Like how can you do those things and maybe not have those symptoms? We're just like, don't do that. So I don't think we helped as a profession either. <laughs> so the, the, it's not an industry, but the the concept of like supporting postpartum women is definitely evolved, right? Like it's just one yes. of those things where people get more educated. And I mean, I think I would, I would definitely call you one of the most progressives I know because you're on, like you're in the field, you're working with women, you understand how um, language is important. And it just, you are, you're, I love the myth busting and all of the the messaging that you have around supporting women postpartum. It's like empowering as opposed to the fear mongering or just like it yeah. almost makes you want to just shut down. Um, and I found that same similarly with Anthony. It was like, you know, just empowering people to say like, well, just because this isn't working for you doesn't mean that you can't do it. Let's find an alternative right. that can get you to where you want to be. Right. Um, and that just gives you know, you feel like you lose a lot of yourself when you become a mom. And if you can find something that brings you back to sort of yeah. that place of like, oh, here I am, like, whether yeah. it's enough if running or training or whatever it may be, but yeah. moving your body is part of, you know, feeling alive and you need that. Well, and I think for me, I mean, I, I didn't, I don't know that I thought that something bad would happen or I would have leakage or prolapse or diastasis, which I had all those. Um, and I think looking, I, I thought that, oh, I knew these things, I could prevent this from happening, which, you know, got smacked in the face on that. I don't know if I would have had an appreciation as I do now, if I hadn't gone through this stuff. So on, you know, some days, you know, when you're, when you're in it, it kind of stinks. But on the, the other hand, it's like, I think when you have a couple of kids, you have, you thought that you had the knowledge and you literally have to step back and be like, wow what I might have been teaching people was not serving them. I either have to accept that my profession has limitations or I say, screw that. And I find another alternative that's not there and be open to voices that are like, well, Hey, we don't know this for sure, but let's try this. Like, again, I don't know that if I hadn't gone through that, if I would have been as open because I, I was desperate too. I was like, you know, I want to be able to do these things. And, you know, having, I, I started CrossFit when my youngest was three, like that's humbling as hell to walk into a CrossFit box, number one, not knowing what the hell you're talking about. And two, feeling like you're jacked up postpartum and you've got all yeah. these issues. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll thank, we'll, we'll, we'll thank whoever planned all this out. <laughs> yeah. But to your point too, you brought up like um, kind of the holistic piece of this. And I think, you know, you're such a great example of this too, that you're like, yeah, I've got this stress, but you show up every day in your gym, your garage gym and do the stuff that you need to do. And especially the last couple of years, I don't think people realize how much of how they've held themselves or have tried to hold their family together in the context of global pandemic and no childcare and all that other stuff, how it translates to how we breathe, as you mentioned, you know, our tension, all that other stuff. And I don't think I was really aware of it as much until I started just doing telehealth and never touching a client, never being able to do that physical exam, but just being like, hey, 
Where are you holding your tension? Where are you holding your breath? And being able to impact symptoms just on that alone, I was like, wait a second. There's far more to it than how you pick up a kettlebell. There's far more to it than coning, like you said. So, um, Well, that's, I mean, when I think about how you served an entire population of people via telehealth, like that's amazing because then you're actually encouraging body awareness. You know, because I think a lot of times we're like, hey, my PT or my doctor, whoever is going to tell me where the issue is. And I, I'm just going to have to figure it out based on what they're describing to me. But the telehealth is almost like it's a whole nother layer of the healing process because now it's forcing the individual to take, you know, take ownership of these are my tendencies. Now I'm being like, you know, now it's a big light shining on these tendencies. I got to figure exactly. out how to fix it. Exactly. Well, and for us too, as, as uh, providers, like we're essentially, our hands are tied behind our back. And, you know, and you're not doing internal exams. No, <laughs> no, you've got to go with kind of what's going on in here. So yeah, no, that's, that's, that's definitely something that I think it made me level up for sure. So for you, like, what was the biggest surprise for you um, as a mom and as a coach? So kind of two separate things, like, once you've had your kids, what's been the biggest surprise for you? I mean, I think it's ever since that, that first, uh, first labor was that oh, you can plan all you want. You can have everything laid out. I'm very type A. I like to have a plan and a checklist, um, but it doesn't matter because not everything's going to go your way. And you really learn to be fluid and to be malleable and to adapt. And I mean, I think that's yeah. kind of, you know, that relates to coaching in many ways because you could have this like great warm up planned. And then all of a sudden you've got like a class that's double the size you envisioned, or maybe you have half right. people and now you got to figure out how do I engage two totally opposite people who aren't going to be, you know, interested in working together. Um, or, or maybe you get a newbie and you've got a busy class. You're like, okay, well now I got to adapt to managing this class and supporting this newbie or, you know, whatever it may be. So, um, my, it, it was a surprise because, you know, when you're a ind independent woman and you don't have children and you don't have, you know, you're just kind of focusing on yourself or your partner yep. or whatever it may be. Um, you're not as, you know, you're not as jarred when the unknown happens. Yeah. Um, but then when you have to take into consideration other people and then their, and their needs and many times their needs come before your needs, <laughs> um, you got to learn how to just kind of roll with it. So yeah. I have learned to let go of a lot of things. My <laughs> tendencies to be very neat and tidy and organized have definitely gone out the window. Um, and I still have a planner. You know, I love to That's write good. down. That's good. Everybody code. needs a planner. <laughs> and sometimes it feels really refreshing to be like, well, that's not happening today, you know? Yeah. So that that was definitely um, the biggest surprise was just like kind of figuring out how to make the time that is yours worth the time, you know, worth it, get it, be productive. Yep. Um, but then just to let go of things yeah. that are out of your control. Yeah. No. And I think, you know, when I'm working with moms, one of the things that we talk about the most is, um, I'm like, well, how much time or what, what are your plans? And then what's actually a reality? Yeah. Um, and what are the resources you have? And let's set you up to go low hanging fruit sorts of things, because we may think 40 minutes for a workout. Let's start with five. Let's start with 10 and get that and get that consistent. And I, I no one's going to judge you. No one's going to think you're a bad person. Like, let's get consistent and kind of build that up and build those wins. But I think, you know, we get on ourselves 
uh, about, well, this is how I always used to do it. I used to be able like meditation for me was incredibly hard postpartum because I, I thought I, I needed to have this perfect silence in this perfect place in this perfect amount of time. And when you have a kid that it takes 40 minutes to go down for a 30 minute disaster nap, like that's just, you know, a thing. And it took me so long to realize that something was better than nothing and nothing was making things worse. Um, and that showing up sometimes is the goal. Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe, and, and, and once you've shown up, maybe you can do a little bit more, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit more. But that's, you know, I, I feel like that's so hard for, for moms when they, you know, had everything worked out ahead of time. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm still working that piece out. I don't know. <laughs> it I mean, changes I don't every think day. That that cha- I was going to say, I feel like that's just the, our life, right? For the remainder yeah. of... Uh- yeah. Definitely, especially Forever. we're we're on the cusp here. Uh, I guess both of our kids are done with school starting Friday, and so the schedule completely changes um, for us for the remainder of um, June and then July and August. Like my schedule goes on its head completely, and they're the priority for the summer. So I have to shut my work brain off, which is hard for me. <laughs> yes. I've learned that that's not a switch either. It's a dial. No. You know, you got to like turn it down, but there's no, it's no turning yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. But what I, I've been able to do with workouts and stuff, and you're far better than I am at this is like, I now go to the gym at 530 in the morning. Is it my favorite? No, but it's done. And it's done before swim practice. It's done before anything else. And I'm not feeling like I'm trying to catch up later on in the day. Um, and so trying to just check those boxes off first, I think. It, it, it's a practice, but it, it's, it's good. <laughs> yeah. All right. So for you, like, what advice do you have? You know, you, you've gone through this, you know, with, with your two daughters now, you, you kind of have gone through this as an evolving coach. Um, what advice, you know, what, what should moms be thinking about or prospective moms when they think about kind of returning back to workouts? So my first piece of advice is to schedule with a PFPT. I mean, it sounds (laughs) very like I'm I'm patting you on your back, but, but genuinely, I mean, I have so many, I have had friends, I have had women that I've just connected with who said, yeah, like what's, what's, what's the first step. And, um, I mean, I have this sort of like very generic email that has YouTube videos with breathing exercises and clamshells and, you know, some, some of the gen- general exercises that you might prescribe, but I'm just like, you know what, everybody's going to be different. This, yeah. this might feel really extreme for you. This might not feel good enough or, but at the end of the day, I was like, you working with somebody who can provide some feedback um, and insight into what you are experiencing. And you also have being able to have an open dialogue with that person is going to make your return to fitness that much smoother. And, and I'd never want to say that it's going to be smooth. I never want to say it's not going to be smooth. I just want to just be very matter of fact, like figure out where you are and then start there. Um, And then if, you know, if you have access to a coach, amazing, but, and I always try to say, you know, if you can find a pelvic floor physical therapist, that's familiar with athletes and, and it is not going to discourage you. I mean, there's still people out there who will say, Oh no, we don't want you jumping, running. Um, but I feel like thanks to the, the beauty of the internet and right. social media, I mean, there's such a big network of people who I know this person in this area, I can yep. connect you there, right? Um, exactly. I mean, I think even with, you know, being able to do telehealth, it's like, that's better than nothing. Yep. And I still think it should be a standard, right? Like that should be six weeks postpartum, go see your OB or meet with your midwife and then get your prescription for yeah. your PT. 
Yeah, no, I, and, and you know, it's funny, um, in, in the area that we live in, you can get ultra prepared people. Like I, I sometimes have women contact me when they're like, you know, they just got their first pregnancy test and it's positive. I'm like, okay, slow your roll here. Like, let's make sure we get through that first trimester and you don't want to make them too nervous. But, um, and, and I do think it helps when people feel like they can have their questions answered, even if they don't know what questions to ask. I mean, my favorite question whenever I'm talking to anybody is what should I be asking you that I haven't asked? Because that's, mm. that's like, you know what, you know more about this than I do. I have no idea what to even ask you. So tell me what I, I should know at this point. Tell me what I should prepare for. And I'll have a completely different conversation with somebody that comes to see me, you know, end of first trimester, beginning of second trimester, just for information versus if you're coming in at 36, 37, 38 weeks, there's very, like, we can talk basic stuff there, but chances are, you know, my, my second question is, um, you know, have you made your choices as far as your birth mode and, and what all that's going to look like? And what are you envisioning postpartum? Because I want to know how far cemented they are into their plans. Again, I feel like having laminated my first birth plan, I feel like <laughs> I can say that because I know how that goes. But if, if you're rigid in it and you don't have much time before delivery, I think we're, we're kind of our eyes are set on, Hey, roll with it. And, and we'll see what things look like postpartum. But also um, I've been trying to get women to come in. Um, we set up their postpartum visit between like three and four weeks after their due date. Um, mm -hmm. because so earlier, yeah, yeah, actually. And even with C-section too, because like you said, you're like, I don't even know about this glue. Like, <laughs> yeah, I did not even know, like it wasn't until after I had two C-sections that I actually went back and looked to see what the surgery was. Cause nobody even explains it. Like, wait, what are we actually cutting here? What, yeah. what's happening? Um, so at least have some of those basic questions answered or pillows or positioning or, you're having feeding issues. I know a great lactation consultant who works virtually or things like that. I, I think, you know, just having some time to, to listen um, before you or even plan what, like what you said, like, these are some basic exercises. This is what breathing looks like. These are the things that you want to be thinking about as opposed to don't do a thing until six weeks. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's, there's so much opportunity, like you said, I, um, to kind of get information for you kind of having seen the good, bad, and the ugly, like how do, what suggestions do you have as far as vetting information that's online or on social? That's, that's tough because yeah. I mean, well, I think great. And I, and I believe you've, you said something like this in one of your posts too. It's like anything that has that, that speaks to extremes or speaks in absolutes, right? It's always, never. I mean, it, how do you know? Like a lot of this yeah. content that's out there is meant to be helpful for sure. And, and meant to, uh, you know, create um, authenticity or to create like to, to build credibility among these professionals. But a lot of the times it's like, well, does this apply to me? I mean, that's yeah. a really good question. I think it's, you know, looking at looking at the information. I mean, do they is it evidence based? Like, where are they getting this information from? Are they yeah. are they using examples um, like real life case studies or it's and I think that that's really a tricky part of navigating postpartum and pregnancy because you're going to people have so many varying opinions on what's right and what's wrong and what's going to affect the baby and what's going to affect you. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, we also have this lovely thing called intuition, which <laughs> if you can lean into that a little bit, 
Um, and, and the more you can kind of, I, I like at least specifically with like social media, I like to have a circle of individuals and it sort of creates a little bit of an echo chamber of, okay, everyone's saying the same general message. And then how can I take this message and have it applied to me specifically? Yeah. Because you, you're going to, you've got to advocate for yourself and then also just find people in your circle who can also advocate for you. And that can, that can give you the the message that you want to hear. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's, that's good advice. I, I had a mentee reach out to me this morning. She's like, what do you tell somebody when they, oh gosh, what was this thing? That if your foot pronates, you have pelvic floor weakness. I'm like, I don't even know where to un- start with that. Like, <laughs> And usually as a good mentor, I'm like, well, what do you think? Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> what did you say to her? I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I, I, it's funny. I've been noticing more um, uh, physical therapists being aware of some of these um, providers that have gone viral and they, they haven't showed up overnight. They've, they've been out there for years, but they're just getting, you know, they're getting PR now. And there's some of these PTs are so upset. They're like this information it's, 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 it's not, it's not correct enough. And I'm like, it's like with media too. It's like, you got to get enough out there to start the conversation, but that is not the gospel. And you've got to go a little bit deeper. And I think it's also understanding too, that, that these voices that are out there, they're, the purpose is awareness. The purpose is not to replace a professional or an in-person visit or things like that, but there's a role for it. It's awareness, which, you know, I'll take that over anything. Um, And I think, you know, people like you, um, you know, being advocates for, you know, go see a provider because you have a little bit more experience with that. Like it's, it's, it's not like an empty statement for you. You're like, no, this is, this is why I have understanding of this and, and I have experience with this. And, and I think there's so much value to, I think, moms sharing their story, which is, I appreciate why you came on. Um, because I think if we hear it from somebody that's our job, like it's one thing, but from you where you're like, no, no, no. Like I I've been in this space. I'm a mom. I've got two kids. This is what I'm seeing in the rear view. And I think if we continue to pass that on, we're going to have generations of moms that are going to be able to advocate for themselves better because they know what questions to ask or they know what people to connect with. And I, I think that's how we're going to continue to change all this. And, and maybe we get to that, you know, mandatory, <laughs> you know, we're France yeah. now, right? <laughs> right, exactly. You say we're, we're a little just a little bit behind. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on. If you want to find Maria in her uh, other, in her day job, yeah. <laughs> she, she, she is a kick-ass web website person. Thank you very much. <laughs> She's over at MariaVita.com. Um, thank you so much. I love you so much. You're just like the thank best you. energy and just so supportive. And I love watching your workouts. You do Paragon training methods, right? Um, in I your love garage. It. Love watching. You were an inspiration to me. I'm like, girl is strong as hell. And I, I love that. And I love that you're on my team. So thank you so thank much you for, for, yeah. <laughs> for being on and sharing your story. And uh, And thanks for taking good care of me. (laughs) Always, Carrie. I got you. Well, vice versa. I appreciate you. And thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks. Did you enjoy the podcast? If so, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell a friend to do the same. Register now for the free on-demand postpartum mama masterclass, how to overcome the three most common return to run mistakes. You can skip to the good part and get back to running while missing these mistakes. 
Find this and more free resources under the patient section on CarriePagliano.com. This podcast represents the opinions of Dr. Carrie Pagliano and her guests to the show. The content should not be taken as medical advice and is for entertainment purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.